0: Hey, thanks so much for coming tonight. It's so good to see everybody smiling faces here at Chi Alpha. My name is Steve. If you're here for the first time, thank you so much for coming. Uh, My wife is here somewhere. I don't know where she's at, but uh, there she is in the back. She's actually not paying attention to what I'm saying right now. Oh, caught you. Hey, all right. That's Aaron back there. Everybody wave at Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Uh, So yeah, we, we love you guys. We love that you're here. Thanks so much for being here. We want you to know that Uh, Whether you are, I know we meet on the campus of UAA, but if you are not a UAA student, we also like to welcome you here as well, Uh, so just don't feel out of place at all. Some people ask that, can I come to Kai Alpha even if I'm not going to school? The answer is yes, and you can invite your friends as well. So thanks so much for coming. Uh, Don't miss out on Capture the Flag tomorrow. It's going to be fun. By the way, uh, the guy uh, that was looking really macho with the gas mask on, he is single, all right? Uh, And uh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Jesse. Um, hey, Jesse's like Jesse's like pretending to be embarrassed, but really he's like, yes, right? <laughs> Thanks so much, Steve. Uh, got your back, bro. Um, anyways, hey, we're going to jump into what we're talking about tonight. How many people in here have, have dads that have dad wisdom? Anybody? You know what I'm talking about? are like, ooh, ooh, that was a good dad, right? You didn't really appreciate it before one of my favorite dad wisdom moments that my dad ever gave me um we uh my my friends and i were doing something really stupid one day we were in the back of two pickup trucks and we were playing catch with a baseball as we were driving down the road in the back of a pickup truck and uh and you know and there's like traffic coming by and we were like taking corners and like you know like We were, like, having to, like, lead the truck, you know, and whatever. It was really a lot of fun. And uh, my dad saw this. He was a little bit disappointed in my lack of of ability to make good life choices. And he pulled me aside and he said, Steve, I need to teach you an important life lesson. I said, okay, what's up, Dad? And he said, listen, you operate, sometimes you operate at 100% brain power, sometimes you don't. But if you are operating at 100% brain power, I need to teach you about the law of Dude group dynamics, all right? I said, okay, what is this about? He said, every time you add a dude to a group, the brain power, if you add one person to your g- group, the brain power does not double. It actually gets cut in half, all right? It gets divided by two. And if you add another friend to your group, it actually gets cut in half again, all right? So you had six friends with you. 6 You had six people in your group, including you. Just remember that you guys were operating at 3.125% of brain capacity, all right? When you're going to do something, think and use your brain before you do it when you're in a group of people. How many people know what I'm talking about? Dudes, you know exactly what I'm talking about, all (laughs) right? Like, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. (laughs) Next thing you know, you're in the emergency room. You're like, how did we get here? I don't know, all right? Here's what I know about when you put groups of people together, a powerful thing happens. Groups of people are influential. The people that we surround ourselves with can influence the way we think. They can influence the way we behave. They can influence, really, the way we live our lives. And I don't know about you, but all of us have probably had friends in our lives that have influenced us negatively. How many people will be honest and say that, right? And we've probably all had a friend or a mentor or some sort of relationship in our lives that have influenced us in a positive way. You know what I'm saying? What I believe to be true is that God actually placed inside every single one of us a desire, a deep-driven desire for community. He placed inside of us a deep-driven desire to belong to something that was bigger than ourselves, to interact with each other. And he designed it that way because he uses community— to allow us to be propelled forward to the fullness of our God-given potential and into the fullness of our God-given destiny that he has set out before us. The problem with this is that community is really, really powerful, and the devil knows that the community is really, really powerful. And every single time God designs something to be really good, I mean, how many people like friends, okay? Some of you are like, no. I don't like friends. I have enough, Steve. Leave me alone. Here's the deal. Every single time that God designs something to be used beautifully, every single time he designs something that propels us towards our God-given destinies that he has for our lives, the devil comes in and does one of two things, tries to do one of two things in our lives. He will either provide a counter-offer. Meaning that he will try to get us isolated, right? He says, if I can just get this person alone, if I can get them to be separated from healthy community, I'll get them, right? He'll say, oh, here we go. I'll get them. They'll be isolated. You're Kind of like that, that caribou that gets separated from the pack, you know what I'm saying, by the wolves, okay? You know what happens, right? You guys have all had a biology class. It's not good, It's it's right? So, so he knows that if you he can get you isolated, he'll get you lonely, he'll get you depressed, he'll get you anxious. And if he can't get you to do that, a lot of times he will provide a counterfeit. And the counterfeit is community that you think is going to fulfill the desires that you have in your heart to belong but in reality the community is not necessarily healthy and it isn't going to propel you towards your god-given destiny it's actually going to grab a hold of you and drag you away from that and he uses that community the devil uses that community to prevent us from reaching where God wants us to go and i want us to note tonight that community is one of the most powerful weapons in your relationship with God it is one of the most powerful weapons and you being able to reach the fullness of your God-given potential, and so we're going to talk about it tonight. How's that sound? All right, good, good, good. The early church in the book of Acts, so the first church, so Jesus was on earth for right around 33 years. He died. He rose again from the grave. He conquered sin and death. He hung out with the disciples for a little while, and then he said, peace. I'm, I'll see you guys later. I got to go back to heaven. Bye-bye. He sent it into heaven, and he left the church. He left the body of Christ, the advancement of the gospel, to his disciples, and they started the early church. They started the church 1.0, all right? By the way, did you guys see that new iPhone that's coming out? That thing looks sick, all right? If anybody's looking for last minute, you know, you know, Christmas gift ideas for Steve, you know, in uh, November when it comes out. I'm just kidding. All right. So he, this is the first version of the church. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when when we want to look at like the most basic form of something, we should go back to like the first edition. Right. And say, OK, what what did what were they doing here and how is it successful? So we're going to look at the community that existed in the early church okay and we're going to be in acts 2 verses 42 through 47 now before we get into this i want you to understand this that this is not just a let's get good friends pep talk tonight okay you know like like oh yeah you, you know you might have heard it say oh, you show me your friends i'll show you your future right this this isn't i want us to go deeper than that i don't know about you but how many people are sick of like the surface level hey how you doing you know what i mean yeah like if someone if someone came up to you and they said hey how you doing and you're like well actually and you answer with anything other than good you'd be like uh, I actually have class I wasn't intending for you to actually answer my question right I'm talking about friendships and community that goes beyond surface level that actually means something in our lives that's what we're after tonight so second or er, Acts two uh, verses forty two through forty seven it says this they devoted themselves. To the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Everyone say fellowship. To the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together. Everyone say together. And had everything in common. Everybody say say in common. Selling their possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone who was in need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. How many people think it would have been cool to be part of the first church ever? This sounds pretty cool. Man, miraculous things were happening. People were getting saved. They are getting healed. They were getting set free. They were hanging out together, eating together. There was free food, right? Like, come on. Like, this is where I wanted to, I want to be here. And so tonight I want to pull four things from Scripture that I believe is a need for good community. And then I want us to look at four things that will inhibit us from maybe experiencing that in our lives, four blockers, four inhibitors, four things that will, will, will pull us away from those things. And the first one is encouragement. Every healthy community has encouragement. If you notice, there's words in this passage like prayer, praise, that they enjoyed each other's favor. They obviously loved being together, and they obviously were people that, that, that obviously had a positive outlook on life, right? Not about you, but I, I don't necessarily like being around Debbie Downers. All right, and these people were obviously a a community that loved each other well, but not just loved each other well, but they, but they were a community that really was launching each other into the fullness of their God given potential. Hebrews ten, verses twenty three for 25, 20, verses twenty four and twenty five says this, and let us consider. How we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Here's what's necessary for every single person's life. We all need people in our lives that will encourage us. We all need people in our lives that will speak life into us. Now, what do I mean by that? Speaking life. That's kind of weird, right? Well, the Bible says that death and life are in the power of your tongue, meaning that the words that I say carry weight, right? Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is totally false, okay? We all know that. Anybody who's ever ever had someone say something terribly hurtful to them will tell you that that's not actually true, that there is actual weight attached to our words. And when it's negative, there is negative weight. But when it's positive, when it's life, there is weight to that. Ephesians 4.29, this is one of our life verses in Kai Alpha. Ephesians 4.29 says this, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now look at the language there. But only what is helpful for building others up. My question for you is that do you have people in your life that are building you up or are they tearing you down? Because if there's not people in your life that are regularly building you up, you are missing out on something significant that God has for you. I really do believe that. I will never forget, I walked into uh, my first Chi Alpha meeting ever when I was, uh, it was uh, September of, of 2007 I was a freshman at North Dakota State University and I walked up to this guy. His name was Dave. And Dave walked up to me and he goes, dude, you have sweet hair, man. I was like, okay, right? <laughs> and then he like complimented me like three or four more times. And I'm like, all right, you're cool, but you're also kind of creepy, all right? And I'll never forget, I walked back to my dorm that night. I had gone to Kyle Alpha with my roommate and we, we were like, we'd always, we'd always stay up late talking about stuff. And I said, hey, what would you think of Kyle Alpha? And he said, He said, you know, i got to be honest, Steve, like, it was a little strange. And I said, yeah, yeah. I said, what was strange for you? He goes, I have never felt so authentically loved and genuinely cared about in my entire life. And I said, yeah. And we just met these people. I don't understand this. But you see, I built a relationship with Dave, and what Dave did was that he didn't just puff me up and be like, you know, oh, Steve, you got – Oh yeah yeah you're 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 really a great person. It was he spoke specific things over my life and he spoke life into qualities and giftings that he saw that I didn't even see myself. He spoke life into the fact that Steve you are a man of influence, you're a man of uh, You're a man of God. You're a man who, who, when the Lord looks at, he looks at with favor. You are a co-heir with Christ. He declared scripture over me. He declared the promises of God over me. And before I knew it, what Dave believed about Steve, I started to believe about Steve. And before you knew it, I started to walk in what God actually had for me, not what Dave had for me, not what I had for me, but with the promises that God had for me. My question for you tonight is, do you have someone in your life that is doing that for you? And if you do not, I beg you to find someone. Your future literally depends on it. Our culture is very good at the opposite, at the ribbing, at the gossip, at the at the sarcasm, at the whatever. And I'm not saying that all of that stuff is bad. It's fun to joke around with each other, but if the world has that under control, why don't we say, you know what, we're going to speak life instead of death, amen? You might be here tonight. You know, these are the, one of those things that, that stops you, right? You might be here tonight, and you have a hard time accepting encouragement. It makes you incredibly uncomfortable. When someone compliments you, you kind of like squirm. I Like, oh, oh, right. Like, why'd you say that? It makes you uncomfortable. I think that sometimes we deny encouragement because our self view is so incredibly low that there's a blocker. It makes us uncomfortable because it because it reminds us of the fact of how much I don't like myself. How could you say that? No, no, no. Don't say that stuff. It just reminds me of of the fact that when I looked in the mirror this morning, I didn't like what I saw. And when I thought of myself this morning, I didn't, I, I didn't think good thoughts about myself. When I thought of being alive today, I, I wasn't sure if it was actually worth it because who really wants me? And it makes us uncomfortable sometimes when this life and when this light starts to breach the darkness that is in that area of your life. Please, if that is you, I want you to know just just open up your heart just enough to let that light and that life in. Because when you do, a powerful thing is going to transition in your heart. For some of you, you you deny encouragement because when people encourage you, you take it as a challenge or as an expectation on your life that you could never live up to. You don't see yourself in that way and you think, well, no, 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 I don't. that makes me angry. I don't see myself in that way and I don't, I don't want to be seen in that way because that means I need to live up to that. And I want to encourage you tonight that God wants to give you a security in who you are in him. The second thing that good community has is good community has realness. Everyone say realness. Good community has realness. God-given, God-driven community is community of people who are real and who are vulnerable with one another. They don't pretend to have it all together. How many people know someone who's very fake? Okay. Yeah. Right? It's kind of awkward. When someone like pretends to have it all together and you know that they don't have it all together. Notice in this passage, it says that they shared and gave to each other's needs. They gave to each other's needs. How do you know if someone has a need? They have to tell you, right? If they hid their needs, there's no way that anyone would have ever given to their needs. What does that tell me about the early church? The early church had a community that was vulnerable with one another. They didn't pretend to have it all together. I guarantee that they asked for prayer continually. They said, no, this is what I'm struggling with. Hey, I, I came up short paying my bills this month. I, 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 I've i been struggling with this in this area of my life. I have a family member doing this. Whenever they had a need, they gave to each other's needs, which tells me that they shared what was going on in their lives. Galatians six two says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ." The Bible tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice, to mourn with those who mourn. This is a hard thing for us because we are a generation who's very good at facade, right? You look at social media for just a second, and you can—I I, will—I I hate to burst your bubble. None of us are as cool as Instagram says we are, all right? <laughs> so we're like, ooh, Right? I want to, you know, like like people put the real whoever. I want to do that, and I want to, like, take pictures of, like, all the stupid stuff that I do in my life and just post it on Instagram. Like, check it out. I hit a mailbox today with my car, right? <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> cool life, Steve, <laughs> right? We get really good at, at looking better than what we actually are. I have a picture of a fish that I caught this summer uh, that I, I, uh, I had my wife take, okay, so this picture, uh, this is evidence of the fact that I'm, if ever you see a picture of Steve holding up a fish on Instagram or Facebook, just know that I have, I have perfected the art of making fish look bigger than what they actually are, all right? If you notice, that's actually a three-quarter-ounce spoon that that fish is attached to. This fish is only about this long, all right? And it looks like it's about half the size of my body, right? Now, I actually found this on on the internet uh, today. If you can go to that next picture, check this out. These are called fish fingers, all (laughs) right? If you can't see it in the back, they're telescoping poles that you can put a fish on that have little teeny fingers so you can hold it in front of the camera and make your fish look really, really big, all (laughs) right? We have problems, people, (laughs) all right? right? You caught a fish. Just be proud of it, all right? You pulled a swimming animal from its environment in the water out into the dry land. Like, whether it's this big or that big shouldn't really matter. But for some reason, man, we just love looking better than what we actually are, right? I thought this was funny. But anyways, God understands us and he knows our hearts, right? He knows us actually better than we know ourselves he knows every single thing that we've ever done he knows every single thing that that we've ever messed up on he knows our tendencies he knows our habits he knows it all and yet he still chooses to be in relationship with us and he has commanded us and he has designed us to work through some of those things some of the pain some of the hurt some of the regret with other people In James 5, 16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you will be healed. What does that mean is that there is something that happens when we get real with our brothers and sisters and we come before each other and we say, Hey, I don't actually have all my poop in a group like Facebook thinks I do, right? Right? There are things in my life that stink. There is junk in my life. I've been carrying around burdens and pain and regret and shame for a very long time, and I've not told anybody about it. Yeah, I walk by, and I put a really big smile on my face, and everybody thinks I'm the most joyful person in the entire world, but inside, I am, I am dying inside. And you see, the devil loves to keep that stuff inside and he loves to tell us, no, 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 you can't share that about with anybody because the minute you bring that up is the minute they're going to know who you are. And the minute they know who you are is the minute that they're going to turn their backs on you. Confess your sins to one another and you will be healed. Pray for one another and you will be healed. Some of you are thinking about things right now that you say, you know what, I have never told this One thing to anybody, and I believe that God is going to call you to say, you know what? It's time. It's tonight that you get that out in the open. That addiction. That addiction wants to be healed. God wants to heal that addiction tonight. And if you leave it inside, it's just going to keep ripping you apart. It's time you bring it to the surface. Some of you have some of us have have problems with vulnerability. Vulnerability. Because of a number of different reasons, one of those things, we have a hard time being vulnerable sometimes because if there's pain in my life and I have to talk about it, it means I have to bring it to the surface, and that's not fun. Wait a minute, you mean to tell me, Steve, that I need to think about that thing that that guy did to me a really long time ago? I don't want to think about that again. I don't want to talk about it. The minute I talk about that, I'm going to start bawling my eyes out. I don't want to do that. I want to cause a scene tonight. Listen, God wants you to bring that to him so he can take it and he can take it away. Every single time it starts to come to the surface and we shove it down, the deeper it gets. And the more power it has to influence our lives, the deeper it gets. And the harder it's going to be to bring it up later. Deal with it tonight. Don't let the devil continue to convince you that you should just bury it. Some of you have... Don't like being vulnerable because you've tried it in the past and your trust has been breached. You shared something with someone and they betrayed your trust. Some of you in here, and this goes for a lot of us, we have what we call, what I call the Alaskan syndrome. All right. I am independent. (laughs) I can survive on my own. I'm a frontier. I got it all together. Right. I can't show anybody that I'm weak. Because if I show them that I'm weak, obviously, that means that I'm less of a person. That's just rooted in an insecurity that you have in your life. And God wants to come in and say, no, 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 I know that there's some things that are messed up. And guess what? I still love you. And guess what? I still forgive you. And guess what? I still desire nothing more in this entire world than to have a relationship with you. Don't fall for the Alaskan syndrome. It's deadly. It's deadly. I've seen it time and time again. The third thing that good community has is deep friendship. Deep friendship. It says in this passage that that they broke bread together. Now, this could possibly be some form of ceremony, like religious ceremony, like communion or something. I don't think that's what this passage is actually talking about. It says that they they ate in each other's homes with glad and sincere hearts. I believe that what this is talking about is that they literally, like, they sat down and they ate together. They had dinner together. They just hung out together. They loved hanging out. And I think sometimes we get this kind of, th- this this thing confused. We think, like, you know what, I kind of have my friends over here. I kind of hang out with them over here. And then on Thursday nights, I come to Kai Alpha, or maybe I even go to a small group. I don't know. But like this is kind of this group of friends. And I kind of have this group of friends over here and whatever. God wants us to experience Christian community in a way that is a depth of friendship. He wants us to come together with glad and sincere hearts, to enjoy each other's company, and go past just the, hey, how's it going? To go past, hey, let's go play video games together. To go past, hey, let's go climb a mountain together. And get into the fact that, hey, this is going to be a friendship where I trust this person enough to encourage them. I know them well enough that I know how to encourage them. And they know me well enough to know how to encourage me. And I know them and I'm comfortable enough around them to actually talk about the real things that are going on in our lives. You know, I believe that uh, we have a... One of our life verses in Chi Alpha is 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 7 and 8. And the Bible verse says this, that we are delighted to share with you. Okay, there it is. Uh, Instead, we were like children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well. Here's what I need you to understand. The Christian life is not just about coming to a church service, hearing some good truth, and then going home. That is not how God designed the body of Christ to operate. The body of Christ is not an organization. It is an organism. An organism only works if every single part of it is in healthy condition, working together all at once, right? We are called to do life together, not just do Thursday nights together and Tuesday nights at small group. We are called to do life together, to be in relationship with one another, not just talk about Jesus but to go grocery shopping together, play Capture the Flag together, hang out together. Because it is in those moments that we start to realize that this is how we live out our walks with Jesus Christ every single day. You, most of you only get to see Steve for an hour on Thursday nights, right? But what I want you to experience is Christian community in a sort of way that you get to watch each other start living for Jesus in the ins and outs of life because it's really easy for Steve to come here and talk about about you know oh love Jesus right for an hour but what what does it look like what does it look like when I'm sitting at home alone and I'm lonely what does it look like when I'm when I'm when I'm angry at something? What does it look like when I'm depressed? What does it look like when a, family member, when a family member wrongs me or a family member passes away? What does serving Jesus look like then? It is in those moments that community comes around us and says, you know what? This is how I dealt with that when I was walking through that. You know what? I'm going to come alongside you. I'm going to provide a shoulder to cry on. Some of us shy away from deep friendship because we've been abandoned in the past and we hold everybody at a distance. I've been abandoned, and I don't trust people, so as long as I just keep them to a distance, far enough away to where if they do betray me, that it's not going to hurt. That's where they're going to stay. Here's the deal is that I can't promise you that people aren't going to let you down. But I will tell you this, that the risk is worth it. And the risk is necessary for us to continue to walk with Jesus. We need people in our lives are going to go to the depth of friendship again. My small group leader, Dave, I'll never forget. I was a freshman. Depth of friendship was not something that I liked. Okay, Steve, freshman Steve, uh, I wasn't actually this short when I was a freshman. <laughs> wow, <laughs> late bloomer Steve, right? No, uh, freshman Steve was, uh, he, his idea of friendship was, uh, was. Talking about the score of the Twins, Minnesota Twins game, the Minnesota Vikings game, watching football, and uh, playing basketball, right? All those are necessary parts of a friendship. But I did not want to go beyond that. And I'll never forget, Dave uh, invited me over one day, and he's like, Steve, I'm cooking steaks. You should come over for steaks. I was like, "Just like, just me and you? That's weird, man. <laughs> like, we're just going to sit and we're just going to eat steaks. Is there a game on? <laughs> like, what? what is this? Like, what game are we watching? There's no game. We're just going to sit. We're going to eat steaks. We're going to talk about life. Okay. <laughs> I invited my roommate with me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'll see what my roommate's doing. But see, what I didn't understand is that Dave understood the value of depth of friendship. He wanted to ask me real questions about what was really going on in my life. And he wanted to wanted me to understand that, that walking with Jesus isn't about just pretending to have everything together on the surface but getting real with one another and saying, you know what, there's some junk inside of here that I need to talk to somebody about. And when I started to understand that, pretty soon I could not get enough of this type of friendship. And I started to seek it out. And I would I would, I would ask Dave to hang out. And I'd say, Dave, come on, man, I, I got something on my heart that I really want to talk to somebody about. What is it that's stopping you from going deep with people in your life tonight. The fourth and final thing that is true of of Christian community is that Christian community, good, healthy community, exhibits grace. It exhibits grace. What do I mean by this? Well, this is the difference, I believe, between the body of Christ and other types of community, right? You can find community in a gang. I'll be totally honest, right? Right? It's not a healthy community, and here's why it's not a healthy community, because a gang is a community that is based off of control. You do what I want you to do, and you're going to fit in, and you're going to be able to follow along, and there's a lot of belonging there, but the minute you break that code is the minute that you're out. Here's the beautiful thing about Christian community is that Christian community exhibits grace, that we know that none of us are perfect and that we're all going to screw up, and when We walk into a community, when I walk into a small group and I realize that I'm messed up, they realize that I'm messed up, I realize that there's some things in their life that's messed up, and yet we all accept each other regardless of that, all of a sudden we get a small, very small glimpse and a small taste of what the grace of God is. You mean to tell me that you want to be my friend despite the fact that I was just vulnerable with you and shared some of my deepest, darkest secrets with you? Oh, that's crazy. And you see, we get a little glimpse of what the grace of God is. We can't even start to begin to imagine the magnitude of the grace of God, how much forgiveness and love and compassion and grace he has for us. But community gives us a small glimpse of that. And if we don't, if we're not in community, we deny ourselves that and we deny ourselves a better understanding of the grace of God. I want to close with some stories, um, about uh, about my f- my first small group. Um, you heard a lot of us talk about small group a lot in Kai Alpha these first three weeks, and you're probably like sick of us talking about small group. Like, I get it, okay, I should be in a small group, but uh, but I really want to I really want you to understand what this is all about. We we believe in small groups because of the power of everything that I just talked about tonight. And uh, I got I got to experience my first small group again as a freshman, and um, and I didn't realize I just thought what I was signing oh I'm signing up for. What I thought I was going to was just a night that I was just we were just going to talk about the Bible for a little while, and we were going to learn some cool things. We were going to be scholarly, and uh, there might be a few fun factoids about the history of of where this book came from and. And it was going to be really great, and I was going to walk away having more knowledge at the end of small group. Little did I know that actually <laughs> was like a 1% of what small group is all about. I got to small group, and all of a sudden, I realized that, that I had never experienced community before. And I started to realize that the guys who start coming to small group had never experienced community before. I have a picture of my friend Tyler. I don't know what order these are in, actually. I'm sorry. I should have checked this. Yeah, good job. All right. Uh, This is Tyler. Tyler uh, is an architect in Fargo, North Dakota now. He loves Jesus. His wife loves Jesus. When I met Tyler, Tyler was living on the dorm floor above me. I'll never forget, uh, I had a class with Tyler. I invited him to small group. He decided to come. And that night, he was sitting down in, uh, in small group, and we start sharing about some of the things that we were struggling with. And it got to, it got to him, and, and he said, you know what, guys? I've, I've never shared this with anybody before, but I feel like I'm supposed to tonight. He said, I'm addicted to pornography, and my relationship with my girlfriend is incredibly impure, and I know that it's not honoring to God, and I need to fix something in this. And everybody looked at him, and he, and he was, man, there was shame all over his face. And my, our small group leader said, you know what, Tyler, we're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray for you. And for as long as you are walking through this addiction and this battle, we're going to walk through this with you. And we prayed. We, we all laid hands on Tyler, and we prayed for him. And we got done praying. And I'll never forget, he knelt down in the middle of the room, and he was on the floor of my dorm room. And he was kneeling down with his hands out like this. And we all got done praying. We lifted our hands up, and he just stayed there in the middle of the room with his eyes clenched shut. And everybody just sat there quietly. And finally he opened up his eyes and he said, said, whoa, what's going on, Tyler? (laughs) He said, I have never felt the presence of God before. This is absolutely incredible. You see, guys, confess your sins to one another and you shall be healed. God started to minister to Tyler's heart and his life was forever changed because of it. Tyler went on to lead well over a dozen of his classmates to Jesus Christ over the course of the next four years. Next picture is a guy by uh, the name of Jeff. Oh, that's Dave. That's my small group leader. You can keep going. Uh, uh, Sorry. Nope. Got it. This is Jeff. Jeff got plugged into small group. The reason I love Jeff's story is because uh, Jeff had his life radically changed by Jesus Christ as a result of that small group. Make a long story short, Jesus did some really cool stuff, right? But here's the cool thing about Jeff, is that Jeff and I were not just friends for just a little while. In fact, two, well, it would be a year and a half ago now, I got a Facebook message from Jeff, and he said, Steve, you'll never guess what's happening. I mean, we were in small group together ten years ago, guys, a decade ago. And he He messages me, and he says, Steve, I'm getting stationed in Alaska. I'm moving to Anchorage. And I got to connect with Jeff, and Jeff and I get coffee every two weeks, and he lives in Anchorage now. And this relationship started because we were learning how to serve Jesus together 10 years ago in a small group. This is depth of friendship. This is friendship that's not just surface level, but is going to last the rest of your life. Go back back a picture. This is my friend Jordan. Jordan, I... was moved in two doors down from me in my dorm room uh, second semester I knocked on Jordan's door I said hey Jordan we're, we're leading this small group or we have this small group in our my dorm room on Tuesday nights at, at 7 30 read 233 don't ask me how I remember all of those things it was weird uh, I invited a lot of people to small group uh, so so I said yeah you should totally come check it out and uh, he decided, for whatever reason, he decided. He goes, "Yeah, I don't have anything going on tonight. I'll come." He was in the National Guard. He brought this like military issued camouflage Bible with him. He didn't know Jesus from the whole, from a hole in the ground, as as we would say. He didn't know Jesus at all, really. He had heard about Jesus, but he was not living for him. He came to small group, and you know, like how you're like if you're like at a church thing, you know, normally like you. Kind of behaving a certain way. Man, he'd come to, he'd come to small group cussing and swearing. And, uh, and it was so fun. It was so fun having him there. It was awesome. And we just loved on Jordan, and we continued to love on Jordan. And, uh, and he was very vocal about his political beliefs <laughs> in small group. And we just kept loving on Jordan. Guys, a year and a half later, Jordan's life started to radically change. And he, he became passionately in love with Jesus Christ because he got surrounded by community. And today, Jordan is a pastor in full-time ministry in Iowa. It's the power of community. It's the power of deep friendship. It's the power of getting grace exhibited to your life. And finally, this is my friend Joel. Can go back picture. Joel, this is one of my favorite stories. Joel and I became friends. We watched sports together, okay, all the time. And Joel was like a big-time sports nut. And one day, uh... Uh, we were meeting for a small group, and something really big happened in the sports world. And Joel came running down the hallway uh, to tell me about it, right? And uh, he knocks on the door. He's like, Steve, you'll never guess what. And we were meeting for small group in my dorm room. And he's like, oh, sorry. And we all had our, like, Bibles open. And he's like, wait a minute. Is, are you guys, like, talking about the Bible and stuff? And, uh, like, yeah. I was, Can I come? And, <laughs> like, Yeah. <laughs> And he came down, sat in our room. He never left, all right? He never left for the rest of the year. And no joke, today, Joel is in full-time ministry in Minneapolis, Minnesota, serving as a pastor at a church. And he's getting trained to go plant a church somewhere. We're not sure yet. But eventually, Joel's going to be a church planter somewhere. Guys, the power of community, the power of deep friendship, you have no idea what could happen. You have absolutely no idea what could happen. In fact, I have a friend here tonight. His name's Dave. Dave, stand up just really quick. Uh, this is Dave. Dave is uh, Dave is visiting from well from Colorado, but we met at North Dakota State University. Dave survived the first small group that Steve ever led on a college campus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's the cool thing: Dave is the sixth former small group guy to have spent a night in my house in Alaska. Half a dozen people in three years have made a 3,500-mile trip to Alaska because of the friendship that was developed in community. I don't know about you guys, but I want this in my life. I need this in my life. My relationship with Jesus depends on this in my life. The worship team can come back up I don't know what's holding you back. I uh, I brought a uh, prop to show you guys tonight. This is uh, this is my diploma from North Dakota State University. I do not bring this up to you to show you like, hey, check it out, right? <laughs> yes, I graduated. No, uh, you know it's funny. You work your tail off for four or five. <laughs> Or six or seven <laughs> years, and what do you end up with? You end up with a piece of paper. This puppy cost me sev- lots of thousands of dollars, all right, and you know what I got? I got a little thing that they probably printed at Office Max <laughs> that says. Stephen Anthony Pavic, having successfully completed the studies prescribed for the curriculum in biological sciences, and having been recommended by the faculty, is by the State of the Board of Higher Education, conferred the degree of the Bachelor of Science given in Fargo, North Dakota on this day of May 2012. Now, it would be a tragedy if at the end of my college career, this is all I would have had to show for it. I don't know about you guys, but... I hang this degree up in my I hang this diploma up in my office not so that I can be like yeah look what I did. I hang that diploma up in my office because of what it represents. It represents 5 years of relationships and friendships. It develop it, it represents 5 years of watching Jesus change literally watching Jesus change hundreds of people's lives in community. It represents friends that I have now that are all, literally all over the world. Because God w- just said yes to the promise that he gives us when we get in community and are obedient in community. What's it going to be? And You might not be in college. You might not be going after that diploma. But here's the deal. is that You are probably between the ages of 18 and 25. And you have an opportunity in your life, flexibility in your life that you will never have again. To be in relationships with those around you, friendships with those around you, to spur you on towards loving good deeds. Do not miss out on this opportunity. Do not miss out on this opportunity. You will not know how to conduct your family as a Christian community if you are not in community right now. God wants to move in your life in this way. Make this worth more than just a piece of paper, guys. If you bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to ask you a couple questions. I don't know what fear is holding you back tonight from, from what we just talked about, but if you are fearful of deeper community... Maybe you have a fear of encouragement, a fear of vulnerability, a fear of deep friendship. You have a misunderstanding of grace. And you just say, you know what? I want to break through that tonight. I'm going to share with someone tonight or maybe with my small group leader. I'm going to break through that tonight. I'm not going to be fearful anymore. I'm not going to try to put on a facade. I'm not going to try to, I'm going to start being a person who speaks life. I'm going to, whatever it is. If any of those things apply to you and you say, God, I just want to make a commitment to that tonight. Not so that I can see your hand, but just so that you know in your heart that you're making a commitment to the Lord. Just raise just raise a hand in this place. Who's that for? Yeah, I've been listening to a lie and listening to a fear. Okay, awesome. My second question is this. If you're going to make a commitment to community tonight, meaning that you are going to actually... Get off your butt and do something about this tonight. You're going to say, you know what? When that small group leader texts me this week about small group or when that small group leader talks to me this week, I'm actually going to go. I'm actually going to show up. I'm not just going to say I'm going to show up. I'm actually going to go because I see value in this. If you want to say yes to that, just raise a hand in this place. Is that for somebody? Cool. Cool. Okay. And my last question is this. If you are here tonight and you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, but maybe, or maybe you've had one in the past and you've allowed it to grow cold and stagnant, but tonight you'd like to get your life right with Jesus. You'd like to accept him as your Lord and Savior. Just raise a hand in this place. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. I just want to know who that is for. Is that for anybody? You raise your hand to that question I'm going to ask that you pray this prayer repeat this prayer in your heart dear heavenly father I realize that my sin has separated me from you but tonight I am accepting your forgiveness that you made available to me through dying for me on the cross and I am asking for strength to live for you for the rest of my life. And if you're here tonight and you need to, one of those first two questions applied to you, I'm just going to ask all of us to just extend our hands out as if to receive something. Just You can just put them in your lap if you'd like to, whatever. Let's just pray. Lord, I pray that those individuals who have been struggling with the fear of encouragement, they've been struggling with the fear of vulnerability, they've been struggling with the fear of depression, maybe they have a misunderstanding of your grace, that they would be driven not to isolation tonight, but into community tonight, that you would break down those barriers in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that those who have made commitments to to go to community, to, 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 to go to a small group, to get plugged into community, Lord, would you just break through in their life, Lord God? I pray that you'd open up schedules, open up hearts, Lord God, that you would combat any type of excuse that the devil might want to put in the way to prevent us from this, Lord, would we be able to get connected in Jesus' name? And for those that are are in need of being vulnerable about something that has never been spoken to anyone before tonight, or maybe not spoken about for a long time, Lord, I pray that you give them the bravery and the courage to do something about it before they leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to respond to this. The worship team is going to play some play some songs. If you would like prayer for anything, any of those fears, the prayer team is in the back. We'd love to have you pray. If you want to say, you know what, this is something that I'm struggling with tonight, and you want to be vulnerable and and, and you know just talk about something tonight, we're back there. We want to pray for you, and and we want to we want to we want to talk through some of those things with you. So please come and find us. Don't be shy. I know that sometimes it might be like, oh, I don't want to go back there or whatever. Hey, let's practice vulnerability tonight. Let's practice not having to put on a facade, not having to pretend like it's all together.